God is good. And all the time, we recite that. It's important that we recite that. Psalm 119.9.11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. We embed truths into our lives, into our hearts, so that it sinks down in there. So when we say God is good all the time, and all the time God is good, do we really believe it? Do we really believe it? I would say the degree to which you believe that statement that God is good has major impact on your life, on your daily living. And we're going to talk about that. We get the opportunity this morning just to bask in the goodness of God. But we want to draw a direct connection to our understanding of his goodness to how we live out our daily living. Very important. We have begun a series. Two weeks ago, Pastor Aaron launched us seeking God, and this is called The Real God. Isn't that a cool thing that Jamie made? The guy's just crafty. I love it. The Real God. If we don't understand who God really is, we have a distorted view of him. That's why it's called The Real God. It's, we're going to spend time talking about his attributes studying his attributes so that we will have a more accurate, deeper understanding of who he is. Because when we don't have an accurate understanding of who he is, we get messed up in a hurry, as we will talk about. So in doing this series, we're providing notes that are in the bulletin. That's in there. You can follow along. I'm not going to refer to this all the time. Uh, there's tons of stuff in here. We're not going to cover everything thoroughly, but you can follow right along in that as we go. In addition to that, we're doing a full-on, full-speed-ahead study of who God is. And we've provided there's some resources. You can order the stuff online, and we have some limited uh, resources available. For instance, there's this... Um, it says, continue the conversation at home. It's a guide to take home, and it's got all the series that uh, we're covering here, all the sessions uh, that we are covering, all the attributes, and you can use this at your home. There are some available on the counter, first come, first serve, when you're out, they're out. Otherwise, you can order these online as well. Additionally, this right here is um, a, a discussion guide for life group leaders, and we have some of these available. I mentioned these last week. They're available at the counter out there also. Limited, first come, first serve for life group leaders. All right? And just so you know, Children's Church, they're doing the same thing. All right? So life groups, Children's Church, Pastor Corey is doing it with the youth as well. So that we're all talking about the same thing. It's kind of fun to be able to do that. And not only fun, but really important to do that. You know, as we, as we learn about God's goodness, there's a direct correlation then to how we behave in our life. You know, as we go through life, yeah, we can talk about, yeah, God is good, that is really great, but you know what? As I go through my life and I make decisions, a lot of decisions in the course of my life, a course of my day even, I come to a, I find, I, I find that I come to a crossroads when I'm faced with a decision. One example 
when I was a kid uh, on the Amazon, uh, we swam all the time. It was our recreational zone in the river there, and uh, half the year the water was very, the river went down low, and these rocks came out, and there was a good current that went through those rocks, and we loved to go swimming down there. Bit dangerous because of the swiftness of the current. So there was a rule, kids, you had to go with an adult. You couldn't go down there on your own for obvious reasons. And so one day, some of my friends were going to go down there with one of their dads. And the dad told me, Tom, you can come with us if you want, but you need to go see your dad, get permission, and then join us. Okay. I ran around the corner of the building and stopped and began to think. I'm not sure where my dad is right now. So I'd have to go find him. He might not even say yes. You know me. Rob, let's calm down over there. And so I did, I was at a crossroads. I knew the right thing. Go find my dad. Hey, dad, can I go swimming? Blah, blah, blah. Sure, son. I'm glad for you to do that. I waited a little bit. Thought, nah, too much work. I waited the appropriate amount of time that I thought it would take, Maybe came back. Yep, my dad said yes. I'm in. Told a big fat lie. Went swimming, had a great time, all the while troubled by my deception and my lie. Doing things my own way. That evening at dinner, called it supper then, at supper, eating away, happy little family. My father says, son, heard you went swimming today. Sure, sure did. It was great. Where'd you go? Uh, Rapid Rocks. Who told you you could go? Anyway, I don't need to go on and on. I will just say that the story ended with the rod of correction upon the seat of understanding. <laughs> not only that, I had to go knock on the other dad's door to apologize, to say, I'm sorry that I lied to you. I want you to know, I'm 57 years old. I was probably 11, 10, somewhere in there. That many years later, I remember it like it was yesterday. I know exactly how I felt. Humiliated. I'm an idiot. It's my fault. And I remember knocking on his door and tears start coming, and my lip is quivering, and I'm sorry. Because I made a wrong choice. That's why. Did God punish me? I brought it on myself. But if I backed up a couple of steps, I had a moment of decision to say, Lord, I'm going to go your way, or I'm going to go my way. And when we talk about how good God is, Paul says the love of Christ is, constrains me, compels me. That's why it is so important to understand the goodness of God. As we make these decisions every day, as we're driving, am I going to cut corner, am I going to, whatever it is, am I going to react in anger to something that's going on around me? There's all kinds of opportunities every day at this crossroads. If, if we are basking in the goodness of God, it will inform how we make that decision. 
In your notes, you'll see there's a battle that's going on all the time. There's a barrier. This barrier is what's against us as we make these decisions. There's a barrier there. Uh, and the, I, the barrier, in short, is FOMO. You know what FOMO is? F-O-M-O? Fear of missing out. Fear of missing out. What does that look like? I remember when we were kids, um, sitting around the table in the evening, we'd be playing games, that kind of thing, and it got to be 9.30, my mom would go, it's time to go to bed. Okay, mom, good night. We'll continue to play. Well, you guys, you should be going to bed too. Yeah, we will. We want to play a little bit more. Okay, she goes off to bed. Ten minutes later, she comes out. Aren't you guys going to bed yet? Yeah, a little bit, mom. Sleep well. Okay, ten minutes later, she comes out. Why aren't you guys going to bed yet? It's like, hey, mom, relax. Go to sleep. We're just out here playing. Are you afraid you're going to miss out on something? She goes, yes. And I thought, I've thought about that and go, that's how we live our lives, isn't it? We're in fear of missing out. In fact, that's why we go through Facebook. Hey, I wonder what other people are having for dinner tonight. (laughs) This idea of FOMO, of fear of missing out, is not your idea. You didn't come up with it. I didn't either. It came in the Garden of Eden. When the serpent came to Eve about the forbidden fruit... He said, did God really say that? You're not going to die. In fact, God doesn't want you to eat it because you will be like him. Ooh, I'm missing out on something. I want to be like him. Okay, now the tension begins. And it's gone on that all the way to the present and will continue as long as we're on earth. We have this fear of missing out on something. And the world is all over that, you all. The world is clawing at us to plant in our minds, we're missing out on something. Watch every commercial. That's all the commercials are about on TV. That's all they are, or ads. Whatever it is, you need this thing because you're missing out without it. The world is all over it. We have it within us. We're being dragged all the time, even by our own flesh. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, all are within us to drag us away. All the point here is, so there's a barrier to, in this battle that we face, but there's a breakthrough when we yield to God, when we yield to him. And that's why we want to talk about the goodness of God, because it will, as we understand how good God is, we will then find ourselves more likely and want to just yield ourselves to him and his wonderful, wonderful goodness. Unbelievable. So, what we want to do is um, define it here in a minute. But before we get to the definition, Pastor Aaron gave us this, and it's in your notes there, gave us this statement by A.W. Tozer, or Packer. Yes, Tozer. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes into our minds when we think about God, it's the most important thing about us. And what we mean is how we perceive God, how we understand God makes all the difference about who we are and how we do life. Our perception of God, how we see, understand him, informs our decisions, our actions, our words, our attitudes in life, our whole world view. You see, because a distorted view of God is the root of all of our problems. Not the circumstantial things that happen to us as victims and all that, but the way we do life, if I don't have a correct view, an accurate view of God, in fact, it's distorted view, a distorted understanding of who God is, my life is filled with problems, full of anxieties. Because if I don't believe that God is good, 
If God is truly, if I think, God, you're not good, then I know that he is not for me. And then everything becomes distorted. The view of the future, my view of relationships, finances, anxieties, rule. Only when we lock in on an accurate understanding of God will we begin to experience life as he intends it to be for us. Peace, joy, hope, even happy. Do you know that? Do you know that God wants you to be happy? Pretty amazing. This goodness of God and all the attributes that we will study, we're going to talk next week sovereignty, then holiness, wisdom, justice, love, faithfulness. Goodness is foundational to our understanding of God and how we move forward in our life as we do battle every day, as we walk with him and seek to walk uprightly before him. So let's define the goodness of God. Exodus 33, let's go there. Exodus 33, if you'll turn in your Bibles there, we're gonna just spend a little time basking in the goodness of God, just talking about, studying, looking at the goodness of our God. We can give a strict definition, but we wanna look at qualities that show his goodness. The, the stage here, the scenario here that we have in Exodus 33 is the Israelites have been saved, rescued by God out of Egypt where they were in captivity all those years and God's using his servant Moses to lead this couple of million people up out of Egypt. They, they go, there's miraculous things take place. They go through the Red Sea and he's taking care of them. He's feeding them as they go through the wilderness and all of that. They end up at Mount Sinai. Now they're camped at the base of Mount Sinai. God says to Moses, come up to the mountain. I want to meet with you. So now Moses is up there meeting with God at the mountain. So go, uh, we're in 33, let's go verse 12. Moses said to the Lord, see, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, now God's saying this, I know you by name and you have also found favor in my sight. Now therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Show me your ways. It's a critical word. Let's jump down to 17. And the Lord said to Moses, this very thing that you have spoken, I will do. For you have found favor in my sight and I know you by name. Knowing somebody by name is personal, it's intimate, it's very significant. Moses said, please show me your glory. Show what an audacious request. Oh God, show me your glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness, all my goodness. He doesn't say glory. He says, I'll make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. The, the Lord's name could not be uttered by humans. It was that holy, but God said, I will do it in your presence. I will say my name. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. Jump over to chapter 34, verse 5. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed. Now he says it. The Lord. The Lord. A God merciful and gracious full of mercy, full of grace, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, 
keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third or fourth generation. And Moses quickly bowed his head toward the earth and worshiped. That was the only response in encountering God's goodness was to bow his head and worship. That's God's goodness. Moses came to, obviously, in this scene, a a new understanding of who God was. God revealed his way to Moses. This way is, you know, they've been through the desert and they've seen God do miraculous deeds. Do you remember what was going on right now at the base of the mountain while this is happening, right? The golden calf story. They're worshiping. They make a false god and they start worshiping it. See, because God's acts don't necessarily uh, bring redemption. They don't necessarily change the way we believe. We see him, his, his miracles, we're amazed. It draws us focus on him and how good he is and it may bring belief. But what truly brings belief is God's way. The way he does things. In Portuguese, there's this word, jeitu, jeitu, and it means somebody has a knack for something. They, they got skill in how to do something. There's not an English equivalent, but, and we love this word. It's just the way somebody, somebody's got a good jeitu with building things, got a good jeitu with people. Whatever it is, they have a good jeitu. This is God's jeitu. God's jeitu with us is his loving kindness. It is his goodness that he wants to shower up on us. That is God's way. That brings redemption. It brings belief in us when we experience God's goodness. When we not only experience, but we understand God's goodness. When we believe God's goodness. When we know God's goodness. It changes everything. In your notes there, it says, Moses' request was to show me your glory. God's promise was, I will, all my goodness was passed before you. His answer is God's way, if you're writing notes. It's his way. J.I. Packer, this is in your notes right here, gives us a definition. Within the cluster of God's moral perfections, there is one in particular to which the term goodness points. The quality which God specially singled out from the whole when proclaiming all his goodness to Moses. (laughs) God could have said any number of words. My glory, which he does, glory, my justice, my love, all the rest of these words that we'll be studying about who God is. But he says, my goodness He spoke of himself as abundant in goodness and truth. This is the quality of generosity. This is the quality of generosity. God's goodness. When we talk about God is good all the time, we're talking about his generosity to you, his people. Generous. What does that word generous mean? Generosity expresses the simple wish that others should have what they need to make them happy. God knows what you need to make you happy. He wants you to have what you need to make you happy. You ever thought of that? I don't think we dare think like that. Sounds pretty selfish. God, I want to be happy. Well, you know what? There's other scriptures that back that right on up. 
Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. Right? There is is some condition going on there, but that's God's heart. He wants to lavish generously upon us, his people. Tozer said, the goodness of God is that which disposes him, disposes him (laughs) to be kind, cordial, benevolent, full of good toward men. He is tenderhearted and of quick sympathy. By his nature, he is inclined to bestow blessedness, and he takes holy pleasure in the happiness of his people. (laughs) God takes holy pleasure in you being happy. That is God's heart for us, his people. Rob read for us Psalm 145. Let's take a look at it. If you'll turn over to 145 again, please. There's a couple things I want us just to bask in for a minute in this passage. Verse 8. The Lord is gracious and merciful. Have we heard this already? Slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Abounding in steadfast love, overflowing with love that is steadfast. It just keeps on coming. The Lord is good to all and his mercy is over all that he has made. The Lord is good to all, to all, to everybody, to every person. God is good. His mercy is over everybody. Over in verse 14, the Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food in due season. You open, you open your hand, you satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his words. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord perseveres all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. Do you think of God as standing there with his arm crossed, he's ticked off? Oh, I'm just waiting for you to mess up. The minute you stumble and you sin, you have a sinful thought, oh, I'm all over you, bam! Sometimes we think of God like that. In his justice, we think like that. But he is a loving God, eager to pour out his goodness upon us always, always. Psalm 84, 11. It's in your notes there. Psalm 84, 11. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord gives grace and glory. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Let me say it again. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. I mean, if I walk uprightly, Lord, I'm seeking you in my life and I walk in a righteous fashion before you, you're not gonna withhold anything that is good for me. You're gonna shower me with good things. That's what it says. That is a promise that we have right there. It's powerful. The fact that he is a son unlimited resources is what that means. The sun gives us light, it gives us warmth, It is a resource. God is our unlimited resource to get through any circumstance, to see us through. Hard things happen in this world. We live in a fallen world. Sickness happens. Death happens. 
ridiculous things happen. Last Saturday night, about 8.15, I was just finishing up over upper room, heading out, got a phone call from Sue at home. My mother-in-law's Subaru is parked in our driveway. A truck came zipping along horizontally, missed the curve that we live on, slammed right in the back of her Subaru, smashed the, the thing, and then just kept on going. Hit and run, gone. What's that all about? Okay, you know what? I'm going to dwell in anger about that. That ticks me off, right? No, you know what? God can get in there and he can change my attitude. Oh, Lord, I don't know what this is all about. That Subaru is yours. Everything I have is yours. This is so random. I'm going, okay, Lord, what's going to happen here? What are you going to do through this? We get to see sometimes and other times we do not. But he is our son, Fortunately, nobody was there. Praise God. Nobody was in that spot at that time, so nobody got hurt. That is God and his protection. Unlimited protection that he gives us. You know, as we walk uprightly with him, the whole FOMO thing, fear of missing out, dissipates because I've got everything I need in him. He satisfies my life. Number two, how does God reveal his goodness to us? That's the, we defined it a little bit there. Now we're talking about how does he reveal his goodness? How do we see his goodness? Number one, through natural blessings. Through natural blessings. It's in your notes there. We talked about this back in Ecclesiastes. God has given us amazing stuff. <laughs> he's given us senses, and then he's given us his creation to experience the things that he has created, and it's a marvelous thing. The mountains, the ocean, on and on, the marvelous thing that he has given us. He is unbelievable in the way he blesses us with great food that we get to taste, smells, sounds, music, whatever it is. It's unbelievable. The sound of rain on the roof is one of my favorite sounds. I love that. Many natural blessings. Uh, the heavens declare the glory of God, right? We had a full moon here recently. Uh, before the rains came, the moon came up. It was just unbelievably glorious. That is God blessing us out of his goodness, blessing us abundantly through those things. Psalm 145, you open your hand, this is 16 and 17, you open your hand, you satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. And on and on, through natural. Number two, through specific deliverances. In Psalm 107, we're not going to dig into 107. It's a long chapter, it would be a good one to read. In fact, these verses, in, chap- in fact, 145, this week, Take time just to bask in Psalm 145. Just soak in God's goodness. Psalm 107 talks about God's deliverances. He, he shows, he pours out his goodness through specific deliverances. And that's what we have in chapter 107 of Psalm. There are four different scenarios in there. Three of them, people are in trouble. But they are in trouble because of their own doing. Just like when I was a kid and I chose to, dis- to lie now I'm in my own trouble. Did God deliver me? Yeah. He did it through an act on my posterior. 
So I paid for it there and I had to go apologize. But you know what? Then the relationships were all restored and it was all good. And then I could move forward. That's how God works. He rescues us from enemies. He rescues us when we drift spiritually. He brings us back. He rescues us from the shadow of death. He heals our diseases. He saves us in the midst of life's storms. What we have in each of those is the people that were in trouble cried out to God. Do you cry out to God? Are you afraid to cry out to God? He loves you so much. So much, he is eager to deliver you, to give you peace, even in the midst of hard things. Doesn't mean he automatically heals. Doesn't mean he automatically takes our circumstances away, but he will sustain us in the midst of those, and we will experience his joy and his peace in the midst of the hardest things. And I know many of you have been through very difficult, hard things. And as you went through that, you trusted God. And when it was over, and as the years then progressed, you look back and say, I don't know how I did it other than God and the grace of God was my sufficiency. And you go, praise the Lord. Lord, thank you for your goodness in that. Do I want to go through that again? No, thank you. (laughs) Honestly. But I love the richness of the time that I had with God in that and how he grew me and strengthened me in the midst of that. That is meeting us. The most powerful, the most profound way God expresses his goodness to us is through his son, Jesus Christ, by a long shot. He gave us Jesus. The thing is about that is he didn't go, okay, you people, you clean up your act and then I'm gonna give you Jesus. You clean up your act and then I'm gonna save you. No, we read in Romans 5 that God demonstrates his love towards you, towards me, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died 2,000 years ago, y'all. Way before we were born, obviously. But he had you on his mind. He knew he was going to save you. And he did it for you. That's his love. It's immense Obviously, we didn't deserve that. It's an undeserved, grace-filled love when he gave us Jesus and provided a way of, of reconciliation with the Father. Jesus is the proof of God's goodness. If nothing else, Jesus is the proof of God's goodness. Jesus is the guarantee of future goodness. He's the guarantee. We are reconciled through Jesus to the Father beginning at the moment we've trusted in Jesus. Hallelujah. (laughs) So we can live this life with great hope, with great promise, peace, joy, no matter our circumstances, as long as we focus on him. That is our good God. And when this life is over, this earthly life is done, We will be living in his presence. Yeah, that's a guarantee of things to come. Last point. How are we to respond to God's goodness? How do we respond to God's goodness? After hearing these things and we begin to study these things, God is good. He is anxious. He's sitting on the edge of his seat going, I want to lavish you with good things, with my goodness. Number one, repent. (laughs) Repent. If you've not repented and said, Lord, I didn't even know you were so good. 
I am not in a relationship with you. I've not been reconciled to the Father. I didn't know you were so good. Thank you, you're so good. I am sorry for my sin. I trust in Jesus who took my place on the cross. He paid for my sin. I didn't have to. That's your goodness. I trust you, Jesus, for what you have done for me. That's the first response for all of us. The second is surrender. Surrender. Surrender your life and future fully to the Lordship of Christ. Surrender completely. We read this in, in, in Romans 12, 1. I beseech you, brothers, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living, not dead, living sacrifice. It's holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Almost exactly 24 years ago, 24 years and a couple of months ago, Sue and I left town. We were called out to the mission field and we were commissioned by IBC right here in this place and we, we left. And the day that we left, we pa- had packed up, we'd sold everything, uh, not everything because we had a whole bunch we were taking with us to Oregon to go to training and then off to the mission field. We had the rider one-way truck, big yellow thing, full of stuff and our car was towed behind we're parked out front of the house. We did one last go round of the house and our yard to say goodbye. I want you to know that was not an easy thing to do. We got in the truck. We had our baby daughter who was three months old, and we headed down the road. Coming the other way was the pickup of the people that were going to rent our house, full of their stuff. There was no going back. We could not turn around. It felt, in those moments, it felt like we were jumping off of a cliff. That's how it felt. We were jumping off of a cliff. I remember feeling exactly those, saying those thoughts as we left. Lord, we're jumping off a cliff. We didn't tumble through the air. We didn't splat at the bottom. We jumped into the big hand of God. So we're all yours, here we go. We have not regretted one ounce, not for one second have we ever regretted that move of doing Romans 12.1, not once. Amazing things, amazing story. You guys, this is why I call it the Holy Ghost train ride. Because when you sign up and say, Lord, I'm going to trust you. I want to walk upright with you. I want to give myself to you. I'm going to surrender everything to you. You do with me whatever you want. Use me for your glory. You just better hang on. You jump on that train. He's the conductor. And you hang on for all your worth because he's going to take you on a ride. Are there hard things? Yeah, trains go through tunnels. They go over scary places. It's frightening. It's terrifying. Lord, really? This is what we're doing? You want us to move to Missouri? Really? Move move to Missouri? For 11 years? You know, some of the things as you look back that we were asked to do, if I had known that, I probably never would have gone. And that's true. But God, (laughs) don't you love it? He doesn't reveal what's to come. I think God's wisdom is an amazing thing. Not one regret. End up in Port Angeles again before we retire? 
serve as associate pastor at IBC? Are you kidding me? Unbelievable. It's unbelievable this ride that we get to be on, all of us, as we surrender to God's goodness and to his will and to his plan. Because he says in Jeremiah, I have a plan that's gonna prosper. It's a good thing that I have planned out for you. Trust me, I'm a good God. I'm not an angry God. I love you. I want the best for you. Surrender. And then claim his promises. Three, claim God's promise that you will never miss out on any good thing as long as you live because he is all in for you. I'm a believer and I have surrendered, amen? The reality is you get to claim God's promise that you will never miss out on any good thing. Claim the truth. God is waiting. He's sitting on the edge of his seat going, my son, my daughter, trust me, I have so many wonderful things for you. Bask in my goodness. Look around at the way I have blessed you. Don't take anything for granted. Thank me. Let's walk together in relationship and I'm gonna do marvelous things in you and I'm gonna do marvelous things through you. You get to be a part of my rescue mission. You get to be a part of encouraging others. You get to be a part of expanding the kingdom. You get to be a part of building my church. And I will show you good things. I love you, I love you, I love you. Let's pray. Lord, you are our son. You are our shield. You are our grace. You are our glory. No good thing, Lord, ever will we miss out on as we walk uprightly before you. So, Lord, even now, help us to keep our face fixed upon you, to be mindful every day, every minute of your goodness. Lord, we surrender to you now. We do, Lord, offer ourselves, our bodies, as a living sacrifice unto you, Lord. That is our reasonable act of worship unto you because of your goodness. Oh, Lord, we praise you. We honor you. We give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen.